listening to the Marginally Geeky Show, the Epically Geeky Book Club. Greetings and welcome to the Marginally Geeky Show, episode number five. I'm your host for the evening, Eugene Stevens. Tonight I'm joined by uh, Lainey, Jennifer, and Chris. Uh, how are y'all doing? Pretty good. How are you? All right. Uh, anything really happened since the last time we talked? Been been at least a month uh, for a couple of us. Been a little bit longer for uh, uh, others. Uh, what up, guys? I still yeah, exist yeah. and I still read. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, well, tonight's uh, episode we're actually uh, going to be discussing the Prince the Princess Diarist by Carrie Fisher. Um, it's probably no surprise as to why we picked this book when we picked it. we when we picked it. Um, unfortunately, we lost. Uh, uh, Miss Fisher, not too long ago, and we thought this would be the best way to honor her memory would be uh, by reading uh, the last book that she put out. So, um, with that being said, um, any any thoughts beforehand? Um, I'll just kind of put this out there. Um, I knew this was about her time while she was uh, filming the you know the original Star Wars movies. Um, so I kind of had some thoughts as to what would be in the book. But uh, what we got in the book was not what I was expecting. I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> I'm going to leave it at that. So, because, um, you know, I thought we'd be getting some stories about, you know, things that were happening, you know, on set and, and this, that, and the other. And she explains why those things aren't in the book. Um, mm-hmm. So w- with that, let's just go ahead and get started. So uh, she starts off the book, um, and, and she's kind of setting – you know, setting the scene. Uh, she talks about all the stuff that's happened in 19, you know, that's happening in 1976, the celebrities who have died, uh, the big events that are going on, uh, you know, just kind of getting you in that, you know, frame of mind. Uh, and then she starts talking about how um, she's really excited for the new Star Wars movies coming out in 2013. So this is previous to, you know, them start, you know, firing things up and getting started. At this point, she knew the movies were coming out. She knew she was going to be part of them. Um, but, you know, uh, you know, to kind of give you an idea as to when this book was written. So, um, and then she immediately kind of dives back into her time right before, uh, star Wars started, uh, acting career wise, you know, she really didn't do anything before star Wars. The only thing that, uh, she did a few little things here and there, but for the most part, her biggest thing was, uh, she was in, she had like what, one or two scenes in shampoo with, uh, yeah, Warren Beatty, like a minor role in shampoo. With Warren Beatty. Yeah. And, um, so that was kind of her only real, uh, um, uh, acting before Star Wars. She was a showgirl too. In her mom. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Cause she does talk about that. Chorus girl. Yeah. She talks about her mom. She talks about her grandmother and kind of the interesting relationship there. Um, and how she was basically kind of pulled out of school. She didn't graduate high school and, uh, was like Lainey said, a showgirl for her mom while she was doing her act. So, uh, like it's gotta be crazy enough to grow up being debbie reynolds daughter just in general yeah but to also just not be in like a typical environment for a 14 15 16 year old i don't know i don't know it's it's crazy yeah and that's what um and and then she started and then she starts talking about that the fact that she wasn't in a traditional like school setting she uh, she felt like a lot of the things that uh, she would have, you know, figured out or done or had the social interac- interaction with other people her age and at that time, uh, she missed out on. So she kind of had this weird coming of age when it when it came to certain things. Um, one of the other things she talks about, and uh, of, of course this is echoed later on, is the fact that um, I, I mean, granted, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the I'm on the show tonight talking with three women, but the whole thing her talking about. <laughs> Uh, how, you know, they're like, okay, well, is she going to wear a bra or not in this movie? And then literally, like, they just march her out there in front of Warren Beatty, and he's yeah. like, is she wearing one? Yes. All right, let's try it without it. And then march her back, bring her back. He's like, eh. And I'm just like, okay, that's like got to be wonderful for your, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I'd like to point something out, too, about that scene is, like, very much notice how none of it was actually addressed to her. Yes, that was the other yes. thing was he was asking the uh the, the costume woman yeah. if yeah, it wasn't like are you wearing one? It was really is she wearing one? Yeah. Like she's just a thing. So yeah. um but yeah, so um of course I mean, you know, we're talking nineteen seventy six, so 
Yeah, that still happens now. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it still happens now. <laughs> Hopefully not anywhere near as much. Um, okay, so before we get to this next part uh, that, that she's addressing, talking about you, like I said, her odd coming of age, as it were, um, I, I listen to all the books that we do on this show. I listen to all my books through audiobook, and I listen to uh, listen to them through the Audible app at double speed. I listen to all my podcasts oh my at double speed. I listen to all of my books at double speed. Um, which Everybody is part of the reason like why. I- no, it's terrifying when you get in the car with him and it just like syncs up. No, it's, it's- not. It's not as it, it, it. They've gotten really good at not getting it to be like as high pitched. So it's definitely you can tell it's definitely a little high higher pitched than normal. But it's not like like you said. It's not like Alvin and Chipmunks or anything. Oh my god. Um, but that being said, so I listened to everything at double speed. I started listening to this okay. book and I got to this next point. And I literally just was like, okay, I've got to restart the book and I have to go back down to normal speed because she's talking way too fast. So I started the book up again, started it up at single speed, got to about the same point and realized, no, she's not talking too fast. Um, I'll, I'll probably go back to, to one and a half speed on this to finish the rest of the book. The problem is not she's talking too fast. The problem is my brain is not able to absorb the information that she is uh, telling us because it is so outlandish. Uh, And, of course, I'm referring to the point that she, like I said, said, you know, she had an odd kind of coming of age type of thing. And um, uh, her crushes seem to always be on gay men. Uh, She refers to, you know, uh, making out with a couple of different men that, She's 99% sure we're gay or we're just out there gay. Um, and um, including one that her mother, you know, was still having a, a hard time with, you know, uh, uh, her husband leaving and everything else and dealing with her mom and everything. And oh yeah, that and like part. I said, I had listened uh, to this multiple times about yeah. saying yeah. offering to watch her have sex with a gay yeah. man and and give her pointers at the yeah, age yeah. of 15. I'm so curious yeah. about like how that was like phrased to her too cuz I'm picturing Debbie Reynolds saying it like in a very Debbie Reynolds way of like being kind of like funny. And it's still not yeah. funny, but it's like I don't know, in my head when I first read it, like I was like okay, I heard it in like a Debbie Reynolds like well if you want I could always just give you some pointers. Like you know what I mean? Like trying yeah. to be mm-hmm. kind of funny, not really totally knowing like what her total maternal role is in Carrie's life. Yeah. So. Yeah, that was yeah. Crazy. I, I like I said, this is that's the point that I was like, okay, I've got to go back and re- <laughs> re-listen. It. I even like, uh, I was talking to Sai about it, and I said, I said, I, I think this is what she said in this book, and he's like, dude, there's no way that's what she said. He's like, definitely go back. Re-listen to it. Make sure you got it right because you don't want to spread anything or get it wrong or whatever on the show. Went back, re-listened to it. I re- I text him, dude. That's what she said, and he's like, "Wow, that's literally all he said." <laughs> Which, if you know Cyrus, it's kind of hard to to shut him up. So, wow, anybody well, could do well, that. Did it? Yeah, that that did it. That really floored me. Yeah. Um, and she talks about how her grandmother is extremely hard on her mom. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, she brings up a particular uh, a time whenever she was trying to get tickets for something and wasn't able to get tickets. And, you know, she's just like, Oh, well, you know, your, your name used to mean something at one time in this yeah. town. And it was just like, yep. wow. Um, but um, yeah. And then, you know, she talks about her father was a, a crooner and a drug addict and, um, you know, left her mom. Um, so that was just like, you know, I, I, you know, I'm just like, wow, you, you turned out pretty good for the crap that you, you well, grew up in. Her too, like not just left her mom, left her mom in one left of the most public That's true too. divorces yeah. as at that time, especially like that was a huge yeah. deal. Like well, it was massive that lived on in the tabloids for years afterwards. Well, because they, it was the death of, uh, her husband Richard Burton and Eddie Fisher was Richard Burton's best. They just sort of with each other. I saw us talking. Just, just sort of because they, they didn't they weren't together for very long before they got divorced. Yeah. 
No, not at all. It's, it's but yeah, but it was like Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pinajoli level stuff. Like, yeah. Who's team are you on? Yeah. Are you team Jennifer or are you team Angie? I think yeah. everybody was pretty much team Debbie, though, because they were all like, she has a child. Like, oh, yeah. I, I was, yeah, because yeah, she says that. She said pretty much her dad's name was Mud in, in Hollywood. Oh, yeah, he never so. recovered from that. No, yeah. he didn't. Yeah, Eddie Fisher never came back from that. <sighs> so, um... And then she talks about the fact that, you know, at the, it's at this point she went to um, uh, London School for Acting and was there for like a semester and came home over the Christmas break and then found out that they were um, casting for two different movies. And uh, I, I think it's interesting. She she paints the picture of the building. It's just like this run-of-the-mill building. It's, there's nothing special about it, but like so much – important stuff for, you know, film history happened there. And, you know, she talks about that, but, um, when she, when, when she went in and read, she actually was reading for two different parts for two different movies. Um, and she read before, uh, she was reading, uh, for George Lucas and Brian De Palma. And she talks about the fact that they're both, you know, uh, slightly different sized men. They both mm-hmm. have beards. They're both directors and, you know, but, uh, Brian's very open, very, uh, enthusiastic, ask questions and stuff. And George Lucas was very much just kind of sit back and let, you know, take things in. Uh, and she was reading for the part of Carrie in the movie Carrie, which yeah. she thought that would be funny if Carrie had played Carrie in Carrie. Carrie and um, Carrie. And Carrie. Yeah, <laughs> um, so anyway, she, you know, pretty much, uh, he asked a question about, Brian Palma asked a question about like her, her acting, uh, her previous acting uh, career, and of course she, she just talks about you know what little you know time she had on, on shampoo or whatever, and wanted her to wanted her to elaborate. She wasn't quite sure, and then so on and so forth. And she kind of thought she'd she'd blown it. She walks out, and they go, okay, well now we need you to come over here and actually you know record some lines or whatever. And um, she you know she starts reading the uh, the script for Star Wars, and is just blown away by it. And of course. The, the first script, which, you know, I, everyone I'm sure would love to see, uh, you know, tons different than, uh, than, uh, uh, you know, what ended up because I, the name of the chapter is literally hanging upside down with yellow eyes. Yeah. Because of the scene that she just fell in love with, this idea of uh, at one point in the movie, she's supposed to be captured by Darth Vader and she's hanging upside down with yellow eyes. Um, and she's rescued by uh, uh, Han Solo and Chewbacca, this large furry creature. She's not sure what that is, and being carried through watery caves. Of course, none of that happens in the movie. But um, yeah, I read that. I was like, how did I miss all that? Like, I know, geez, right? I've seen that a lot of times. I've seen that movie more times than I can count. Am I just bad at this? Like, yeah, it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then she talks about the main reason why part of that was, was shot down is because, uh, Peter Mayhew had already been cast for Chewbacca, uh, but just because of his size and, and everything else and with the costume, there was no way he would have been able to carry her, mm-hmm. um, in the movie. So like it was, uh, uh, you know, that was, that was shot. And of course, you know, obviously a lot of other things were changed in the movie due to the budget and everything, but, um, and then, uh, uh, she got to read with Harrison Ford. And when she found out, whenever they called her and told her that she got the part, she like runs out of the house excited. Like she literally says she runs out to the street and she's just screaming at the top of her lungs. She's so excited that she got the part. So, um, crazy because she didn't even want to act, you know, she was, yeah, nonchalant about it. Oh, that's right. Yes. It. And she does say that multiple times that she wasn't even sure she ever wanted to be an actress. Yeah. So, yeah, that, yeah, I, I, I didn't write that down. Um, and then she's told that she has to lose 10 pounds, so she went to a, a quote-unquote fat farm in Texas, uh, which I thought was interesting, if nothing um, else, for the fact that um, she met Ann Landers and Lady Bird Johnson while she was there. Yep. Yeah, that was cool. And I'm just like, almost, um, you know. I need to go back and re-listen to this again. Did she say Ann Landers and Lady Bird Johnson? He has a question. Who's Lady Bird Johnson? Lady Bird Johnson is one of the most famous uh, uh, first ladies. Uh, okay, that's what I thought. I just yeah. she was yeah. OBJ's wife. She is responsible for the wildflowers. 
that grow yep. um, in Texas in the spring along the uh, highways. Okay. Yep. So she's she's still very well. That that's part of the reason is she's very well known here in Texas. So yeah, she's like a big deal in Texas, especially. Okay. Sorry, I just had to make sure I was. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Thank yeah. you. How dare um, you be Canadian? Come on. Now. I'm sorry. <laughs> But she, so she talks about she's only stayed there for a little bit of time. She did not lose the ten pounds that you know they asked her to, and she was afraid at a whopping a hundred and ten pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know it's funny, especially looking back at you know, especially how I guess we see ourselves as compared to how other people see her. Um, or you know, see see you. Um, you know, she keeps saying that she thought she was fat and, uh, had a really round face and going back and looking at her pictures, I guess I would describe her face as being round, but not like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, she's not like a beach ball or anything. Yeah. No, you but know, she's she a very young, totally yeah. yeah. She's 19. Yeah, exactly. Um, so then she goes on and she starts talking about, you know, the hairdos or whatever. And, you know, she's given all these options and it's like days on days on days of trying these different hairdos. And, um, when they, when they put, as in, as she put it, the buns, when they put the buns on her head, it took hours to do. And she like walked out and literally saw Lucas and I can't remember who the other person was. And they're like, well, you know, what do you think of those? And she's like, Oh, I love it. They're great. And they're like, okay, well that's what we'll go with. And she's just like, damn it. Why did I say that? <laughs> So I love that part of the book. She talks about the hair and how how ridiculous and time consuming it was. Because I mean, how when you think about the things she has to do, how realistic is it that that hair actually stays in place and looks that good the whole time? Oh yeah, hear it all. And she even goes on that 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 short diatribe of how um um uh, you know her mother in in the prequels got to wear all these different things and she's like that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I had one hairdo and she's and she's gonna be remembered for every, you know all these other things so. Yeah. Um. But uh, and then she she goes on she does start talking about um uh she jumps ahead but she starts talking about her favorite scene of in filming any of the Star Wars is uh, the scene where she gets to kill Jabba. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say probably her most iconic scene. Um, I mean, she's had she's got several iconic scenes throughout the entire series, but that's probably one of her most, if not her most iconic scene. The whole uh, metal bikini thing, and she talks about that, the fact that, you know, she thinks, uh, you know, there was a, quite a bit of blowback here the last couple of years uh, before she passed about the whole... They should stop making the, 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 the Princess Leia stuff with the metal bikini because, you know, it's, it's degrading or whatever. And she's just like, fuck you. I, I was a princess. I was forced to wear this and I kill, I'm the one that killed the mobster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, she was yep. very proud of that scene and, you know, she should be. Well, so. and she's talked about like not liking the metal bikini, but the whole thing about how the fact that she made sure that she was the real one to kill Jabba, like was a whole. Yeah. She's like, he made me wear this shit and I killed him. That's right. So I appreciate that about her. I did too. I thought that was awesome. Um, so she starts, uh, uh, her first scene that she actually started, you know, when she first started filming the movie was with uh, Peter Cushing who played, um, Tarkin. Uh, she thought the dialogue was very odd. Um, and she said it was the only time that George Lucas ever gave her any direction. Now, if you know anything about George Lucas, uh, everyone says the exact same thing. He pretty much only tells his actors like, uh, uh, you know, two things faster or more energetic or something like that. And that's like the only two things he ever says. And she said, this was the only time he ever actually gave her any real direction. And he took her aside and was like, look, you're a princess. You literally, you know, uh, you've been tortured. You literally are watching your planet with everyone, you know, and love being destroyed before your eyes. And she's like, that's when it kind of sunk in. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Because like I said, you know, everything you ever hear any other actor talk about George Lucas is, like I said, it's one of two things, faster or more energetic. So, um, And then she gets to what I consider to be the, the, the main part of the book. And that is uh, she starts basically just flat out saying, oh, by the way, I had an affair with Harrison Ford while he was still married. Okay, I had to read that part twice. The part in the taxi, I had to read that twice. I'm like, wait, wait, when did they start kissing? Just a second. Uh, I had to read it over again because it just she just sort of blurted it out. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. Um, at this point, she goes back and references uh, her father leaving and how it hurt her. Um, she said when she first saw Ford, uh, she thought he was way out of her league. Uh, and then he was. She could tell from the beginning she he he was going to be a star. She also said that she had pretty much made up in her mind that she was going to you know uh, uh, have a rendezvous with someone on you know in the movie or whatever because she was like you know this this is my chance to you know lose my virginity and you know have an adventure because we're out filming on set and you know all this other cool stuff and she was just like you know she pretty much just kind of marked him off the list immediately because like she said he was way out of her league um and married yeah and married exactly and married that's one of the other key things there um so at George Lucas's 32nd birthday, oh God, it's 32nd birthday and he filmed Star Wars. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Makes you feel a little inadequate, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'm turning 40. I'm like, what have I done? Yeah, I mean, you shouldn't after. I got married and made two awesome boys. And I've got a cool website with some cool podcasts and stuff, but you made Star Wars. Um, anyway, so um, she doesn't like drinking at all, but she kind of gets pressured, peer pressured by the crew to uh, – to finally have some drinks or whatever. And she looked at it as they were just kind of like, you know, uh, uh, being goofy, you know, mm-hmm. being kind of rowdy or whatever. She never felt like she was in any kind of danger or anything. Um, but Harrison Ford stopped, steps in. It was just like, you know, so, you know, what are y'all doing with the young lady? Because, you know, that's not happening. Um, so he jumps in a car with her and like literally like has a tussle with some of the guys on set and uh, jumps in the car and drives off with her. Now, part of me, in the back of my head, almost thinks, I wonder if that was planned <laughs> on Ford's part. Uh-huh. I don't know. I'm going to leave it, benefit of doubt, to say maybe he's just that, you know, he's just that type of guy. But, but then he I'm, turns around and takes advantage of a drunk Yes. Guy, so. yeah. And uh, has the audacity to be really boring and dull. Yeah. So, oh yeah, so they make out in the car and they realize that they're being followed by uh, Mark Hamill and Peter Cullen. And uh, so there's, she talks about the fact that like finding American food is really hard in England and there's a couple of specific places they know of. So they go to this one particular place that they know has, you know, American food. So they go there and eat dinner or whatever. Uh, Ford and her get back in the cab, head back to her place and go upstairs. And she, you know, and I will say, you know, she's very, uh, she's very, obviously she's been very open about all this other stuff that there's no way in hell I would have thought anyone would have mentioned, but, uh, she does, you know, luckily leave out those parts. So she's basically yeah. like, you know, look, we went upstairs and you can imagine what happened then. So. Well, I just feel like she's like, hey, like, because I just don't think that that's, like, the most important part of the story anyway. Exactly, you know I mean? yeah. And I think she knew that. And just, you know, like, I don't need to, like, sit here and give, like, every single detail of what happened when we went upstairs. But, like, the important part is that dinner was super weird. And I yeah. sat there the entire time thinking about every single thing I was going to say. And if I was, like being too quiet or if I said something what if it was dumb and nobody liked it and like I enjoyed it because it was very much like I've had those moments especially at 19 where I'm just like oh my god he's not even paying attention to me why am I even here he totally doesn't even like me but if he doesn't like me why did he bring me out but like what's the point about like yeah I've had that like you can't even listen to the conversation because you're so in your own head I oh just, yeah like I, I think everyone goes through her. that at at some point, you know, especially like you said, you know, 19, around that age, especially if you're around, you know, people who are older, you know, people you at least perceive to be adults. And you're just like, what am I doing here? I'm a total imposter. And anything I say, they're going to look at me and think I'm a kid or that I'm an idiot or whatever. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, basically, she says, you know, look, they had several weekends together afterward. Um and it was pretty much just them getting together. Uh, they spent the weekend together and then um, tried really hard to seem like they, you know, nothing was happening during the week. Um, but there wasn't anything there. It was basically just them being together. Uh, you know, there was no long drawn out conversations. There was no really getting to know him uh, or him getting to know her. Uh, it, it was a fling. It was just, you know. He was a side piece basically for that whole shoot. 
Yeah, pretty much. So, um, she said the one time that she kind of broke through and I thought this was hilarious. I loved this scene. This was my favorite, one of my whole favorite scenes in the book is when she does the impression of him and actually getting, gets him to laugh. <laughs> I love the way that she described that. Mm-hmm. That was so dead on too. I would have loved to have seen her do that impression later on in life. I would have Oh, yes, that would have been hilarious. <laughs> oh, um, my God. And then she talks about how uh, pretty much the most of it is she's like, literally, the reason why she wrote the book is because she was going through some old stuff and found these diaries, which is where the title comes from, uh, that she kept during the uh, the actual filming. And she uh, – um, um, she says that because of her heavy pot use, she honestly does not remember or remember what happened or how she felt uh, the rest of the time. And um, and as as a result, she didn't use any drugs afterwards because she was like, wow, I literally cannot remember what was happening. And that's kind of scary and fucked up. So, um, And then it's at this point that we're actually introduced to the diaries. Um, any thoughts on the diaries? I loved them. It made me feel like a normal teenager because I used to write stuff like that. Like just the angst, just the the emotion, the drama. The- oh my yes. God, Chris, I'm so glad you said that because I felt like a dummy for enjoying it so much. No, I did. I told Ray, I was like, Ray, this is me. I have diaries downstairs that uh, from when Ray and I started dating and just how I talked about him. And I was just like, oh, my God. No. Right? Oh, yeah. And the bad poetry chat. Oh, bad. oh yeah. I've got I those. thought it was all right, actually. I've got those. Yeah. but It's so angsty, though. Like, it's just so you, know, you roll your eyes. You're like, really? It was that bad, buddy? Okay. Well, because like when you're writing it, when you're like 19, yeah. 20, you're just like, I am so fucking deep. I, and I got God, I'm so man. smart. Like, and I know everything. And you're like, oh no, no you and don't. I'm feeling these huge, massive feelings that no one my age has ever felt before. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the first one to ever go through this. I am a pioneer. Yep. And then you look back and you're like, good lord. <laughs> she must have just laughed at herself. <laughs> Which is probably why she published them because they were so ridiculous. Yeah, a lot of them are written as poems. Mm-hmm. Uh, she knows things aren't right, but she can't stop herself. Knows she couldn't be attracted to an unavailable man. Um, uh, just looking through my notes here. He's cold, silent, strong, and she wishes, you know, she could be too. That's one of the things that she talked about. She's like, you know, he. it's just easy for him to basically just, you know, be him. And she doesn't, you know, she wishes she could be that way, but she knows she can't. Um and yeah, it, honestly, I thought the diaries were pretty short compared to the, the rest of the book. Like, I was like, oh, I was, kind of thought there was going to be more of those. So, yeah, I thought that they were going to be like sprinkled throughout. Me too. Yeah. And so it was a little like I got a little caught off guard with them all being kind of in one big chunk in the middle. So, because I kept yeah. thinking I was missing something, I thought that I I think I would have preferred it if they had kind of been sprinkled through a little bit. But you know. I ended up like reading halfway through and then skipping over to the rest of the book because I just I was like, okay, I need more. Like, I need to know what happens next. This is kind of the same old thing. I mean, it was good, but you know, I I went back and forth. Well, it's so interesting to me how much she wrote in the span of like the time that they were together. Yeah. Yeah. Which again, completely identify with. Like, I yeah. get it. I hundred percent get it. Mm-hmm. She's been writing like every day or yeah. After. Yeah, my thought is there. my thought is he was probably doing that while he was sitting there yeah. being him, being quiet and, and and not saying anything. That's probably what she was doing was writing. Yeah. Oh, Carrie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, at, at that point, we get to uh, she starts talking about you know after the movies have come out and how like no one knows how to handle the fame because it literally is you know it is a groundbreaking movie. No one has ever made you know up to this point you know the term blockbuster was created because no one had ever seen a movie do something like this. Um, so she talks about not really knowing how to handle the fame, and in the beginning, her and Mark and oh, real quick, one before I gloss over that. Um, she talks about the fact how she kind of wishes 
uh, it had been someone else. In fact, she even specifically mentions that Mark, she wished it had it been was, Mark Hamill because yeah. she thought maybe something could have kind of happened I there. I like and, the way she said it, though. She's like, it would have meant more with Mark. Yes. And I How weird it. would that have been for us, you guys? Super weird. No, you're right. In retrospect. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, here's the other thing, though. What if, what if, because I thought about this, too. What if her and Mark had gotten together and had come out as a couple? Before we got um, uh, Return of the Jedi. Yeah, I don't think it would have done. I don't think they would have gone with the brother-sister angle. I really think that would have. And so we would have had a much different track later on. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, that. not that it was a choice necessarily, but had that choice happened, it definitely could have changed, you know, a lot of history, at least, you know, in the Star Wars universe. So. Um, but she talks about how her and Mark and, and Harrison like literally just sat down and answered all of their fan mail at first because, you know, they didn't know any better. They're like, yeah, someone wrote me. I'm going to write them back. And, uh, you know, she talks about these different stories of, you know, uh, um, uh, signing autographs and, you know, to tell like your hands just like cramped up and everything else. Um, and then she starts talking about doing these TV shows and how, um, Ford would start quoting philosophy on talk shows and she almost did it as well. And like to the point that she literally like had a philosophy teacher come, you know, talk to her and educate her about some of this stuff. And then she's like, ah, I probably shouldn't do that because if, if it looks like all of the actors are just quoting philosophy, they're probably all a bunch of douchebags. Right. <laughs> Which I thought was funny. Um, and then she talks about the fact that, you know, all of these, all of these promotions had been set up ahead of time before the movie. Cause you know, that's pretty much how they used to do it. And so even, you know, after the movie blew up, they were still going on a, you know, state by state, uh, uh, you know, uh, tour to, to, you know, promote the movie. It's like, you know, we, this is the last movie in the world that we had to promote. And yet we were still going out promoting it. Um, and they'd go to amusement parks. Uh, during their downtime, which I think, I, I think that's funny that, you know, that, that core group could actually have been seen at a, an amusement park or whatever. She has a, a quick story about, you know, uh, seeing Harrison Ford like stuck upside down or whatever and, and one of these tilt world things or something. So. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then she starts talking about, and, and, and she introduces, um, probably my absolute favorite thing of this entire, and the entire book is what she refers to as signing autographs. And that is the oh. celebrity da- lap dance. Oh my God. I love her so much. You guys. <laughs> like that's so right. Like the way she, it really does. And I love how when she like, she's like, yeah, sometimes I would say it to someone who didn't know what I was talking about. Like, exactly. Well, I have, a, I have yeah. a lap dance in Reno that weekend, but you know, I think, I think it'll be fine. I'm like, yes. God, she's just the queen. I love her. I yes. Love her, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. When I, um, yeah, when I read that, I was like, "That is great." And unfortunately, that's going to stick in my brain the next time I go to a con. Yeah. And especially if like um, uh, Ernie Hudson is there, because you know I'd, I'd like him to sign some of my Ghostbuster stuff. I'm be like, I'm about to go get a lap dance from Ernie Hudson. Mm. <laughs> yep. Not going to put it that way, at least not on Twitter. Um, she kind of, like, made, like, she kind of justified, like, all of my worst fears, too. Because, like, I, I've i always had, like, a weird thing about, like, the thought of going to cons or something and, like, having somebody. It just freaks me out to, like, pay money to go have somebody sign a piece of paper for me. Like, I get it. But it's like you're paying to have that interaction and something about that just totally freaks me out. And she basically just like confirmed everything that I had ever thought. I'm like, this has to be weird for that person too, right? Well, it also, I mean, it depends on the person. And she even mentions it. She's like, you know, depending on the person, she's like, you know, occasionally they would go to these conventions and they, you know, some new, you know, hot, you know, to-do actress or whatever who clearly did not want to be there. Yeah. uh, You know, signing stuff or whatever. But like, um, I don't know if you, I don't know if you uh, heard this or not. I think we mentioned it on the show or the other show sometime or another. Um, Like Norman Reedus has flat out come out and said he makes more money on the con circuit than he does film. The Walking Dead. Oh yeah, no, there's a crazy amount of money in it, and like, and I think some- a lot of them are realizing that, and they're like, 
you know what? This is actually my primary job now. Like, the, like The Walking Dead is almost the promotion for my actual job. So I think and it also depends on the personality because I'm sure there's a lot of people who are just like, oh, God, I got another con to go to. And I yeah. Like, and then you have those know. other people that genuinely like want to meet them. Like, for example, Jennifer and I were at the Brazos Valley Comic Con. And I uh, cannot remember the guy's name, but he played uh, Mr. Belding in, in Saved by the Bell. Oh, Dennis Richards. He was so oh, nice. And anyone you ever talk to will say the name, same Chris. thing. Sorry. I love that. <laughs> he, he, like, I was walking around and I literally heard him turn to, you know, his handler, the person they had assigned to him. And he was like, are you tired? Go ahead and sit down. I've got this. I'm, I'm okay. Get yourself a bottle of water. He said, I'm fine. I'll, I'll let you know if I need something, but I'm cool. And he's like walking around, just meeting people, talking to them, and just was like, everyone's like, you know, everyone I've ever heard on a podcast or anything that they've talked to him, they're like, he's just like the most chill, laid back, just awesome, really enjoys being there type of guy. So it's like um, John Barrowman. When we went and met him last year, it was he was amazing. And he just, he, and he did that with everybody. It must've been exhausting for him, but he had so much fun. Like you could tell he was having so much fun playing this up and being a character for everybody and feeding off all of their energy. Cause mm-hmm. it was, it was, he was hilarious. It was awesome. He put his arm around me. We had a moment. It was fantastic. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I've, always, I've always thought to myself, if I could get like a small role on star Wars, the most obscure character, I would be set for life because I just tore the con circuit yeah. to get twenty dollars in autographs for being like the alien in, or the person inside of that alien costume. Yes. Right. Literally anybody that's ever been in Star Wars is that a con. Oh yeah, pretty much. Oh yeah. So um let's see here. Uh so let's see here. Uh started signing autographs, comic cons, um, and doing events basically to to you know, pay her bills. Um, and, you know, she talked about the fact that, uh, uh, you know, she basically was doing this to, 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 to pay her bills. She was, mm-hmm. as she put it, she was broke. She said she was like, what, rich broke, which means, <laughs> you know, she was okay. But like the, the, and, and she talks about the fact that she's kind of addicted to shopping, which, you know, could, mm-hmm. could definitely be a thing, especially if you're rolling in tons of cash when you're earlier in your life. Um, but, uh, but she also talks about the fact that, you know, she made a ton of money over, you know, over the years from, uh, from different things, uh, you know, mostly, you know, connected to Star Wars, uh, but her business manager, like, basically robbed her. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, which, well, you know, that's unfortunately happened to more than one person. She didn't get merchandising. Yeah, she didn't have merchandising oh, rights to any of the Leia right. stuff. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. Which makes then again, sense I mean, when you think about it, because of course she did. She's like, oh, whatever. She's 19. Yeah. She's going in there. It doesn't really sound like anybody was really there with her. So she well, was I mean, like, oh, that's yeah, just how a contract. That's how it was done back then. Like, literally, yeah. um, Lucas went in and was like, one of his demands when he was working with Fox, because I've, I've heard this from like some other, from another book that I've read. Um, he went in there and he was like very adamant. He's like, I want all of the stuff from all the toy sales and everything. And they're just like, <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. You can have that. Cause at that time, they didn't make toys for movies really. And if they did, they didn't amount to anything. So, you know, most of the, uh, 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 you know, most of the movie chain, you know, the, the production companies or whatever were just like, yeah, that's, that's the garbage stuff that they kind of like shovel over just to kind of, you know, say, Oh, Hey, you're going to be making more money. And Fox did not realize what a barrel, you know, Lucas had him, had them over until, you know, everything blew up or everything. So, um, so yeah, I can imagine that it was definitely like, you know, and then she, like she said, she's 19, you know, Hey, I got a role in the movie. This is awesome. What are points? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, but she does go on and she talks about the fact that she does greatly appreciate her fans. And that, that, that hit home. That was, that felt yeah. good. Yeah. I love listening to her describe like the little kids that come and see her, whose parents have dressed them up mm-hmm. because that remind me, reminded me so much of the kids whose like parents dress them in these like really elaborate costumes to come to the Disney parks come and meet like princesses and stuff and they're itchy uh-huh. and they're hot and like they don't want to be there right now because they're tired and they, 
I just, I loved it. And when like, she describes like how upset they get, she's like, I don't want this Leia. I want the old Leia. Like, I want the real Leia. And they just can't deal. I love it. Yeah. Can't so deal. funny. Yeah. Didn't oh she say God. she had to like tell a kid she'd get plastic surgery to calm yeah. him down? Yeah. <laughs> I will fix it. I promise. And he's like, okay, good. Cause like. Aww. <laughs> she just laughs about it. I know. Well, cause they're kids. Like, I don't. That's another thing I appreciate her is that she's like, I'm not going to sit here and be like a dick about it. It's like, it's a five-year-old. Like, mm. I love that. That makes me so, oh, I love it. Yeah. Uh, on the fact that, you know, she wouldn't be, and she mentions it several times, you know, it's definitely a, a running theme in the book that um, she is Leia and, and Leia is her, uh, you know, they are inseparable. Yeah, um, so yeah, it, uh and you know she she greatly appreciates and under you know unfortunately I th- and I think a lot of stars are starting to kind of realize this and kind of come around to it because you know you hear about these stars that are like oh I got typecast and I will forever be this person or whatever and I don't know if it's a phase or whatever and then they kind of it seems like almost in in later age they they come to realize that you know hey I wouldn't have the stuff that I've I've I haven't been able to do if it wasn't for that role. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems like she never went through that. Like she, she realized, you know, that this is who I am and, and she's me and I'm her and that's all there is to it. So yeah, and I think the fact that she wasn't really sure she wanted to be an actress in the first place helped that a lot. Cause it's like, if you don't have these big, massive dreams of like, I'm going to win an Oscar and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Then when you're cast in a role like that, that, is super iconic and does stick with you forever. You're just kind of appreciative of all the wonderful opportunities it's afforded you instead of being really resentful of the fact that, well, now I'm princess Leia forever. You get to be princess Leia forever. <laughs> That's and right. she does say that like she is, yeah. she knows how special that is. she knows that she's one in a few people that if you say princess Leia, you immediately see her face. Like you mm-hmm. cannot not see her face and you cannot think of her her and she's Carrie Fisher, Carrie Fisher's Princess Leia. She understands how rare and how wonderful that is. So I thought that was really great that she's like, yeah, I'm Princess Leia, but I, you know, Princess Leia is also me and and you can't think of one without the other. And that'll always be that way. She thinks that's pretty cool. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Harrison Ford has the, the duality. I mean, granted he's been in several different roles, had several other large roles, but I'm sorry. Harrison Ford is, is either Han Solo or uh, Indiana Jones. Yeah. Sorry, uh, you made a pretty awesome president, and you've done some other awesome stuff. But sorry, you're. Oh yeah. You are. You are a smuggler or an archaeologist. That's that is your role. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then of course, like you know, Mark Hamill has you know he's done smaller roles here and there, but like his voice acting is just phenomenal. Like he has done so much voice acting, but he is always and will always be Luke Skywalker. That's just, and he's, he's okay with that. Uh, of course, you know, people who know about his other work, you know, the stuff that he's been doing, you know, doing voice work, they know him as either Luke Skywalker or the Joker. And he's still one of my favorite Jokers ever, but yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. What an extremely long book. Um, just kind of wrap up real quick with some, some overall thoughts. Um, I'm just going to put this out there. This book was not what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be, and like I said, she explains this partially because of, uh, she links it to her pot usage that she didn't remember a lot of the stuff that happened during the filming of these movies. And that's kind of what I was hoping for was, you know, like I said, you know, some goofy scene where they all got together and, you know, this happened or, you know, accidents on the set or something, you know, that's kind of what I was expecting. Um, so having the majority of the book focus on, her affair with Harrison Ford was um, like, well, not what I was expecting at all. I enjoyed the book. I did still enjoy the book, but it really wasn't what I was expecting. So it made me feel a little bit better to know that if Carrie Fisher could also like fall into that little like pit, I was, I don't know. I was like, okay. I was like, if one of the most incredible women that I've ever admired went through something like that. Like maybe I am doing life pretty okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. I also definitely had like an identity crisis when I was reading this book and I was like seeing so many things that reminded me of myself. (laughs) And I texted a friend of mine. I was like, should I be concerned about this? (laughs) Like granny Carrie Fisher, pretty cool lady. But like at the same time, no, 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 I think you're okay. I was like, okay, just checking. Yeah. I was struck by, 
her, um, she's very self-conscious and, you know, just not very confident in a lot of ways. And, and that's just not how I pictured her my whole life. So yeah, like you said, I could relate to a lot of it and it, it was kind of nice in a way to know that, you know, we all go through these things that, you know, even Carrie Fisher has days like that. And I, I loved her writing style. Like, Absolutely. I, I want to go and read every book she's written now. I haven't read any of them, unfortunately, but. I started Wishful Drinking. Yeah, I'm, I'm about to go it. just through all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, if y'all go through, if y'all go through a couple of them and y'all think they would be uh, awesome for the for the book club, definitely put them on the recommendations list. So. Plus the nice thing about when you read, like I, I do personally prefer to like read, read my books, but I downloaded this one specifically on audible because I wanted it to be like, she was reading me a bedtime story, <laughs> which has been very comforting. <laughs> so I just appreciate this. Most of the time I find the author reading it turns out to be pretty good, especially if it's like a biography that, that turns out to be usually really good. Um, Stephen King is the one example I, that I didn't care for when he read the book, but, um, Amy Fuller did a bang up job. Oh my gosh. I love the comedians. They always do a great job. Oh yeah. Well, we may have to throw a couple of those on there for our our next couple of books. We'll have to see. So, uh, Chris, did you have any extra, any other thoughts on the book? Oh, uh, as I was reading it, the whole thing was bittersweet for me, right? Because the way she talks, about plans for her future or things that may happen one day. Oh. oh my God, Carrie, honey, you're dead. You can't, it was just hard. It was really fun to read, but it was also really sad too, because she's gone now. And it was, it, the book came out right before she passed away. And it was just almost like prophetic. Like she knew almost that this was going to be the last chance to get it all in. And, and uh, she better do it now. I'd love it. Made me feel a whole lot better about myself, though. <laughs> That's for sure. Just being neurotic and just insecure, and and uh, being a bit of a crazy teenager, and you know, being dramatic and all that stuff. And it was just like, no, okay, I was kind of normal. That's right. <laughs> wasn't as crazy as I thought I was. Um, but it was it, it was very sweet to read, and I love the way she talked about her daughter, how she just put her in there a little bit, and uh, and her mom. Yeah. It was just, it was, and now like, like you guys, I'm going to read the rest of her books. Like it was, I loved her reading style. She's so sassy. (laughs) She's just amazing. Like, like I said, it's just, it's nice to see this like really incredible strong woman who like Mm -hmm. stood up for so many things that I've, that I believe in be fragile sometimes. And I don't know. I, I, it was a really good read. It was like you said, Chris, it was definitely really bittersweet though. Plus like, What a bummer to find out that Harrison Ford is not nearly as interesting as the characters that he plays. I'm like, kind of not surprised though, because I was genuinely shocked. Really? I, was, I don't know. It makes sense though, because you're having an extramarital affair. You can't get too involved. It's you know you're not. Doing oh no! Like when I heard so, that they had slept together, yeah. this the relationship she described to me was exactly what I pictured. Mm-hmm. But just the way that she describes Harrison Ford, I'm like, wow. Yeah. No, you the, and I, I would about never be is, friends. Like, I, I had the same thought. The the only thing that I thought might have contributed to that, and who knows, he may still be, you know, that boring is a rock. Um, is uh, and she says the fact that well, and real quick, I'm fumbling over stuff because I've got so much stuff I want to say. Um. <laughs> One of the things that you said reminded me, Chris, um, and she she brought up the fact that the reason why she put out this book and put this stuff out there is because she knew it was going to come out, and she wanted to make sure she she had it told yes. the way she wanted to tell it. Yes, and um, it happened so long ago that nobody cares anymore, and the relationship exactly. that he was in wound up in divorce. So exactly shortly after, yeah. which she makes me like- think maybe one of the reasons why he was so somber is because he was just like stewing. You know, yes. in over his current, you know, marriage basically falling apart. Yes. Um, and maybe that's why he was so emotionally unavailable. I don't know. I'm I just, just figured that there. maybe Harrison Ford was like a lot of really attractive men in their early, late 20s, early 30s who have been attractive their whole life and just isn't Not that interesting? <laughs> yes. When you are hot, you don't usually have to develop a personality. Yeah. Right? Weird looking people have to. Really- yeah. Get in there and develop the rest of it. We got to work for it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, ladies, that was a good discussion. Uh, 
I really enjoyed the book. Um, before we talk about our next book, though, um, and some of you have already mentioned you've already started reading some other stuff. Uh, is there anything else you've been reading? Uh, real quick, I finished up all the Ghostbuster um, comics that I currently have. Um, I got them from a uh, a humble bundle that was online. Oh, geez, I guess it was back like October, November. I've been busy with other stuff. Finally got around to finish reading them. Um, and the fact that um, whereas like a lot of other uh, geeky things, like the comic books are kind of their own thing. Like they're not really canon. They're not really considered part of the main story. Um, the, the comics for Ghostbusters really are kind of considered canon because everything that's happened in the movies, um, the, the, the cartoon was something different, but they actually addressed that in the small series where they kind of do a crossover thing. Um, but like it's all considered like pretty much canon. So like when people people will reference the fact that, um, well, like for example, when the new Ghostbusters movie came out, that original trailer talked about you know four scientists, and a lot of people were like, well, actually, you know, uh, you know, Winston wasn't a scientist, and then the real Ghostbuster fans started jumping up and saying, well, actually, he got his doctorate in the comic, which is considered canon. Mm-hmm. It's just like very so, but, well, actually, yeah. yeah so. <laughs> It's nice reading something that, you know, it, it is a comic book, but it's also, it ties in really strongly with the, um, uh, you know, with, with the central uh, canon of the story or whatever. So, uh, but I really enjoyed that. Um, so if you get a chance to, to, to check out any of the Ghostbuster comics, definitely go do that. There's a new series coming out in March, which I haven't heard anything else about. There may be an event Laney and I will be going to in Austin. We'll see about that. Um, that actually is a crossover between the original crew and the ladies from the new movie. So I'm looking forward to that. So, yeah. Are those um, um, so Eugene? Would those comic books be appropriate for an eleven-year-old? Uh, yeah, no, nothing on it is too rough. Like, okay. there's no, I don't, I don't remember there being any foul language. There's okay. definitely not any like they hint at some somewhat like I say adult, like more sexual type things, but there's nothing like really heavy like that. Um, okay. Most of the time, it's just oh hey, there's a new big bad, and they have to figure out you know, what they need to do to defeat the big bad. And mm-hmm. um, you might want to just kind of like skim through them first before you hand them over. But yeah, I, I would think it would be great for an 11 year old. Okay. So uh, anyone else reading anything? I want to um, read. Um, sorry. Go ahead, Jennifer. Oh, I was just going to say, I listen to, um, cause I, I do audible as well. Once in a while. Um, Aziz Ansari's modern romance book. And it was that actually so good. It's hilarious, and it was, like, really informative and interesting. So I, I didn't expect it to be as, like, academic as it was, but he's, you know, a great narrator and hilarious, and I liked it a lot. Um, so I listened to that, and then I'm I'm also reading The Lady in the Tower, the basically talking about Anne Boleyn's Fall by Alison Weir, because I'm unhealthily obsessed with the Tudors. So Dude, the wives of Henry the eighth though, that's like a never ending subject. It's yeah. I, the deeper you go, the better it gets. I, yeah, I've been addicted to that family for years. It's like a soap opera. I can't stop. Even really, though it's so really. terrible. Did you hear about the PBS special they're doing? No, they're going to do a PBS special on the wives of Henry the eighth. Oh my gosh. Well, mm-hmm. I'll have to watch that. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's what I've been up to since we last met. What were you gonna say, Chris? Oh no, I I'm gonna start reading uh, Ready Player One because I've read our next book connection. Um, but I can't I can't read the Star Wars book anymore. Really, you didn't like it? No, it was really boring. I loved it. Oh, I it's, loved it. It does get kind of dry some places. It's very dry. Oh, yeah. They picked the. I understand why it's important to the whole story, and I get that, but I I don't think I, my attention is right where it needs to be for that kind of book. Did you read the it or next... listen to it? I re- I'm reading it. I'm halfway through. I will say, listen to it. Mm-hmm. I had to listen to it just because I didn't have time to like really sit down and read it. And the sound production on it alone makes yes. it worth it. <laughs> yes, it is. They have music. They have sound okay. effects in the so background. That's, oh, that's cool. There's voices. It's great. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm having. I'm starting to think we need to get on because I've never listened to a book on tape, so I'm starting to think that this. Um, surely they have the same deals 
uh, in uh, Canada like they do here, but uh, Audible um, generally will do a thing like if you sign up, you get like a book or two for free, mm-hmm. and then like even if you quit, like you still get to keep the book, okay. and that's how they got me started. Like I literally was like, oh, I'm gonna, I was going to go meet uh, Steve Wozniak, and I was like, I'm not gonna have time to read his book, so oh, I'll just use my free credit, and download his book, and listen to his book, so I would be ready to go meet him. And then like a month or so later, I was like. That was kind of interesting. I wonder what else they have on there, and I've been a member since. Okay. It's great <laughs> for long trips, too. Like, I listen oh, when yes. I'm in the car for hours, and mm-hmm. the time goes so. by. That's how I drove to Florida. I downloaded three different books, and yeah. that's what I listened to the whole way there. Yeah, it's awesome. What are you reading, uh, Lainey? Um, I, well, I was reading this, and then I started rereading a book that I've actually read before. But for some reason, I don't remember if I read something in the news about it or something. But I'm re- try really hard not to judge me. I really enjoy like, um, what was I going to say? Um, memoirs from like celebrities and stuff that I like. Okay. And for some reason, I decided I needed to reread Holly Madison of Girls Next Door, Hugh Hefner, Girlfriend <laughs> Fame. I'm judging you, Lainey. You should I, be I judging me. Out. I'm yeah. the worst. <laughs> Yeah, so I decided to reread it. And it's funny because I remember watching that show when it was on and listening to the book paints it in a totally different light. Like, I don't know. I haven't ever, I, I listened to it before and I'm listening to it again now. And when I like read it, like, I don't know. I can't decide how I feel about the whole thing because she spends so much of the book kind of playing up the like whole like, Oh, well, you know, I wasn't really like that, but other people around me were. It's like, okay, like, I really like Holly Madison, but I'm like, girl, like, chill out. We get it. You know, just, like, just own it. Just you were doing it. what you were doing to try to get what you needed. Like, I get it. Like, you just let's all be realistic about it. Have you listened to or read Tina Fey's Bossy Pants? I love I Bossy Pants. Read, yeah. I have yeah. read it's Bossy Pants awesome. quite a few times. It's on my yeah. to do list. It's, it's literally in my to do really, list. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't what I expected, though, but it was it was good. Yeah, I loved when she talked about her how she grew up in her family. Like that's where I, I was like snort laughing. Ray's like, "What are you reading?" I'm like, "I can't. I just can't. You have to read it." I love that. <laughs> Damn, that's Don Lemon. I love it. She's so funny. <laughs> well, our next book that we'll be reading uh, will be um, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter by Seth Graham Smith. Uh, there is a movie version of it. Uh, we will discuss that whenever we uh, do the book discussion. Um, I will say this, though. If you have not read the book and you have not seen the movie, read the book. Yes. Read I haven't either. Read the so book. Don't watch the movie. Just read the book. Just read the book. Just You, are going, you, you will enjoy the book. I cannot say so much about the movie. Um yeah. Anyway, so that was our next book. So hopefully you will join us for our uh, next episode. Uh, like I said, we'll be reconvening um, either at the end of this month or the beginning of next month to to do our next recording. And it'll the next episode will be out shortly after the next month, uh, the beginning of next month. So, with that said, where can we find you? Oh no! Wait, before I go into that, um, if you haven't already, please give us a five star rating on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Music. You can find us on any one of those places. Uh, you can also go to uh, find the show on YouTube as well at Epically Geeky. Uh, subscribe. That would greatly help us out. We're trying to get our subscription numbers up, but seriously, if you have not uh, written a review on iTunes yet, uh, please do that. It helps get us higher in their algorithm. Uh, More people will be able to find the show that way. Uh, So if you would, that would greatly, greatly help us out. Now, um, where can we find you on the internet, Lainey? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at it's a Lainey bird. And then you can also find me, um, on the Epically Geeky Show, as well as on our newest addition to the podcast, um, Epic Rhythm and Brews. In fact, our third episode just dropped, so go check it out. Yeah, I'll be honest. I thought y'all were talking about, like, I know when y'all said covers, at first I thought, okay, covers of songs. And then for some reason, I thought y'all were talking about, like, album I don't know. Covers? Like, album covers? And I thought, oh, well, that's an interesting topic, too. And then it was like, oh, no, I was right the first time. Hey, man, it's cool because you kind of gave me an idea for another show, so it's fine. Well, there you go. Uh, Jennifer, where can we find you online? Um, Instagram and Twitter at Het's Gonna Be Me. Love it. Uh, Chris, where can we find you online? Uh, on Instagram at Lake Life Mama. 
And you can follow my wacky adventure online at Optimus Gene on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, we'll see you next month. has been a presentation of the Epically Geeky Network. 